I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Hey, how's your week? I hope it's great, and it's about to get even better. Today, you're going to hear from Ariel Johnson, founder and principal designer with Ariel Fox Designs. We're talking hospitality, multifamily, and environmental design. Your week feels better already, am I right? Does it matter if you're having a good week or not? Yeah. It matters. Convo by Design was created specifically for designers, architects, hardcore design enthusiasts, and anyone who is connected to the industry. There is enough noise out there to bring just about everyone down, but you are a creative, and these things affect us in different ways. It stifles our creativity and makes it more challenging to do great work. That's why I really do love the podcast format. You can't really do other media when you're listening to the show. So, As you hear from Ariel, I challenge you not to be inspired. She brings the infectious optimism and creative spirit that all phenomenal creatives possess. And my hope is that this inspires you to go do some great things. In the next hour, Ariel and I are going to talk about the firm she founded, the work her team does, and the way she executes the vision for her clients. And in the hospitality arena, the client's of her clients. The work is streamlined, elegant, and functional. We talk about this idea that form follows function, follows form, especially in the work outdoors. It's brilliant. I think you will love this as much as I do. This is Ariel Johnson from Ariel Fox Design. Are you subscribing to the podcast? If not, please do, so you get every episode automatically when they're published. You can find Convo by Design everywhere you find your favorite podcasts, and now you can find us on designnetwork.org, a podcast destination for all things design and architecture. So make sure to check that out. Convo by Design is presented by Walker Zanger, a fantastic company and an equally fantastic design partner. While the Walker Zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work, there's far more to it than that. Yes, that promise is fulfilled every day through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart is a family-owned and operated business that provides stunning surfaces for a well-designed home and does it to make designers and architects do their best work for their clients. Walker Zanger started in 1952, and they are absolutely one of the best trade partners a designer can have. Check out their newest collaborative line with designer Pieta Donovan, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel you can create. And they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. Check out any of their 14 showrooms across the country or shop online, walkerzanger.com. The moment you say that it's, a, um, it's, it's more of a man's sport, I have, to, I have to totally jump in there because um, I think it's really interesting. We're talking about rowing crew. And I think that women are better suited for that particular sport than men are. You think so? I do. I do. You know, having, having road, it's strength, endurance, and like no other sport, I can imagine the ability to put oneself through that kind of torture. Men complain too much. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's true. It's true. It is. Um, it is a little bit. Uh, um, it's it's a hundred percent torture, right? All of it. You yeah. Know? Um, but I think like in terms of like the the muscles that you use too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like my body just transformed like unrecognizably I just bulked up like my legs were huge and my shoulders were huge and I was just like I looked like a different person it was pretty remarkable actually how quickly my body changed and I was that was like the one thing that I I was a little vain I was like I don't know if I want to keep doing this like I I like my feminine body you know it was just a little bit too that's too much f- for it. Yeah. That's funny. So, okay. So you went to school in up- upstate New York. Where did you go? I went to Union College. Okay. In Schenectady. Yeah. So, and East Coast, is that home? East Coast is home. I was uh, born in upstate New York and my parents moved around a bit. Um, ended up in Manhattan in the East Village for many years and um, always wanted to come out to California, but my mom I'm the oldest of three girls. Uh, and she was like, no, you have to be, you know, within driving distance from me. You know, she just like, couldn't let, let me go. But I always had this dream of coming to California. I graduated um, from Union College. My track actually was, was a legal track. It was pre-law. I was going to be a lawyer, like the whole time, right? I'm thinking like, I'm going to be a lawyer. Got a job in Manhattan um, as a litigation paralegal. I was there for two years and hated it and had this like midlife crisis of like, okay, everything I've been planning for, you know, since I was a little girl is not, it's not working out. Like I thought it would. Um, and my younger sister was going to Parsons at the time. And she's like, come take some art classes. And I'm like, I'm not an artist. Like I'm the smart one in the family, (laughs) (laughs) but I really had like nothing else to do. So I took some classes. I, was also kind of like modeling at the time. I did some runway in Manhattan and um, focused on runway actually for a good couple of years there and then really got burnt burnt out on it and then went back to school for design. So I went to Parsons for a little while and then came out here to California at Art Center in Pasadena. And I finished my degree um, in California, which is where I wanted to end up being anyway, right? So you found a way to get out of the whole driving distance rule. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. My mom cried a lot, but it was okay. She got <laughs> you know, it's really interesting too, because I, I find myself talking to designers who have like these two different, they either, it seems like it's, it's one or the other. Like either you knew when you were four years old, that you wanted to be a designer and you were redecorating your room every six months and you just like knew that this was for you or you were completely steeped in something else and and you sort of found design along the way and i'm I, i'm curious i that's i've talked to people who have gone from fashion to interior yeah. design from design to architecture from interior from fashion to architecture um from merchandising I have, I've spoken to one designer in Texas who was here in LA. She was a, um, she was a talent agent at CAA and, and decided she, you know, she wanted to do design in Austin, Texas. I'm curious though, something must have wanted you to go down the, the legal path and 
to all of a sudden pivot, that's a major pivot. What do you remember? Why do you remember what you were feeling at the time? Yeah. Um, I will never forget. Um, I was working on a huge uh, court litigation case and the team um, was working nonstop. I mean, at one point we we're working for 72 hours straight. There was cots in the basement and showers. And I remember uh, the legal team I was on this one woman, she'd just gotten married and her new husband would come in, you know, like nine o'clock at night. I mean, like I said, we were working around the clock and he would come bring her food and just be like, Hey babe, you know, like nice to see you. And she, I remember this one night I was, we were working together and she looked up and she's like, you have to stop coming and bothering me, interrupting me. Like I'm, you know, I'm working right now. And I remember like feeling like there is no amount of money that you could possibly give me to throw away love like that. Like I just, I, I just said, I'm done. If this is as good as it gets, I am out of here, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I just, I, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I will say though, that, you know, my family is very creative. Um, my father was a builder, so I feel like I was always around it my whole life. And I think because of that, you know, my parents really wanted me to be a lawyer because they're like, okay, you know, the art world is not so reliable and sustainable. Like you really can't, you know, you can take care of yourself, you know, if you're a lawyer kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mother now, so I understand that, that idea, but, um, but it, I'm, this was my calling for sure. Sure. What's, in, what's interesting too is, you know, and many people don't really realize this, but I think, you know, you'll probably see where I'm going. Law is such a creative business. It's an, it's a creative industry. It's, it's problem solving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. To do, to do the law correctly, to, to be in that industry, you have to be a very creative, you know, driven individual. Yeah. And, and so I find that I find that you came from law into design. I don't think that that's a, you know, that's a huge stretch. It's just one that I don't see very often. Um, when you launched your, take me through the trajectory after, after school um, to the point where you, you have your own firm. So it was kind of a, a short timeline, really. Um, 2008, I had, um, I graduated and I uh, had been working at a hospitality firm for a very short period of time. I don't even know if I was there a full year. Um, I don't think I was and before they shut down. Um, I remember being in their office and they were like, oh, we've got this big meeting with Disney for a hotel for Disney, you know, like look really busy. <laughs> I remember them saying that to me, like they put me in like one of the front desks, like look at me, I was really busy. <laughs> we really needed it that that yeah, that yeah. account we didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. So, well, per perfect perfect timing to go into the business, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like, you know, I can I can do this and I can hustle and um and so I just took every project I could and it really was uh it was fate. You know, I think there is you know, to success, obviously you have to be really talented and hardworking, but 
there is a whole lot of luck involved in there, you know, sprinkled into and endurance going back to crew. You have to have endurance, right? Yeah. You got to like ride the waves. Um, but um, I had to downsize because I lost my job. So I moved into um, this smaller apartment. A friend of mine told me about it. Um, it was kind of run down. The uh, I don't know if you know Hollywood very well, but it's mm-hmm. um, the Hollywood Towers on Franklin. Mm-hmm. Big uh, Normandy style um, building. So uh, cheap rent, you know, it was in disarray and went in to um, get my credit check with the property manager. She's like, oh, I see you're into your designer. Do you have a website? And I was like, yeah. I had scrapped one together, you know, and she's like, well, we're actually, we're looking for an interior designer. Um, would, you know, I'll pass your information along to the developers. And literally like the next day I got a phone call, um, from them and I had a meeting and I brought in a poem of what the building, you know, could look like, cause I didn't have any have time to put together like a visual representation yet. Um, and they were so blown away. They're like, we've never had a presentation like this before. This is so like revolutionary and spot on and like emotional and what we want. And they hired me on the spot and the building, actually the renovation is still intact from when I did it 12 years ago. I think it is now, Um, which is pretty cool. Like your projects don't always last that long, you know, interior wise are always kind of wanting to update yeah but um yeah and and so it was just one of those things where like they just kept hiring me for new projects and then other people saw what I was doing and started hiring me so it was this beautiful kind of ripple effect of just doing good work you know and um rest is history why hospitality I tried residential I well, I, I was doing residential actually for many years uh, in the early years because I just had to take everything. And um, I went through a couple of dream home experiences with some families, right? I think this happened on um, two separate occasions where I worked with a family and they were building their dream home and uh, we realized the dream and then they got divorced. And all the way along, right, there's like conflict. Um, I, I was having to deal with conflict resol- resolution for, for marriages, <laughs> which I'm not equipped for at all. Um, and I think I'm just too sensitive. Like I'm just too much of an empath to do residential. I think you really have to be like very, like um, you have to have a mythology. You have to, you know, stick to, um boundary making, you know, all of, all of these things that I'm really kind of bad at doing. (laughs) I would just get too wrapped up in their lives. And, um, and I wasn't able to have my own, you know? So I, again, I kind of had the replay of like, if this is as good as it gets, like this, the sacrifice I'm making in my own personal life is too great. And so what hospitality gave me in which, um, I've always loved is the creative license. Number one is it really is just like the sky's the limit. Um, budget's the limit also. Right. But, you know, I've been lucky in a lot of cases where budgets, you know, budgets are flexible. Um, and 
there's a lot of trust involved, especially when you develop, you know, good relationships. Um, so there's not, you know, handholding, there's not, you know, some, someone in the family calling, you know, crying about a pillow when really like they just got an argument with someone and it's beyond my pay grade. <laughs> I really, really, I have so much respect for residential designers because um, there's so much that you have to deal with that is not design related at all. What has, um, what has the process been like in, on the hospice, hospitality side of things uh, in the last 10 months? Um, there was a, there was a big, uh, gap, I would say like first and second quarter of last year. Um, there was a big pause of projects that we had. So in, in our, in our queue, we already, you know, have a bunch of projects that, you know, take three years, to, to execute. So we've got stuff queued up, but I noticed that things were slowing down um, on our construction side, things were really slowing down. They were still happening. We didn't have any projects pulled completely, but um, actually I would say at the end of last year, we did have one project that was pulled. Um, it was a very small project, but uh, construction slowed down. Um, new projects were not coming into the queue. And there was just this a kind of expansion of us kind of spinning wheels where we were doing work, but we weren't getting approvals and we weren't um, able to install. And so I wasn't able to, it was really difficult because I wasn't able to let anyone go because we had work to do. It wasn't like nobody had, you know, an empty plate, but I just wasn't able to hit our milestones for our billing. So it was really, really challenging. And um, some, by the miracle of God, we got through it. We got PPP, um, we got through it. And then the last quarter, the fourth quarter exploded. Um, really good news, actually. I think forecasting for the next couple of years, you know, in LA, um, you know, again, like I said, mentioned, we have projects outside of ca California, but I would say 80% of our portfolio is here between LA and San Diego. Um, and there was just like a pro prolific um, out outpouring of RFIs and projects that got greenlit. And it really was um, shocking to me. I, ha I had to turn away actually a lot of work. I was referring all these projects out. I, was, I felt like Santa at <laughs> Christmas. I was like, and you get a project and you get a project to all of my my friends are in the industry. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm really, really, I'm super hopeful for our industry um, in the coming, you know, year and next year. I think that there's going to be a rebirthing. Um, what I saw in 2008, I, it's funny, a lot of people were asking me this question, like, how are you, um, how are you seeing 2008 manifest now in, in, in terms of, you know, the economy and, and workflow? And uh, what I saw in 2008 was a, um, a leveling of our industry, um, more so, much more so than I'm seeing now. I feel like, you know, residential was still able to keep its, its footing, but on the hospitality side, there was certainly a, a drop in, in, um, in revenue, but 
it's a it's a clearinghouse basically you're you're it's it's kind of clearing out all of the the people who are just kind of you know pardon me who are um who are just not generating good work you know i, I i'll be blunt about that you know like we're all studios are not created equal some are better than others and it's like survival of the fittest it's like the good ones have been able to hang on so it's um, so it's so interesting that you say that um so 0809 was the recession this it was a it was a financial crisis it was and so what you what you had was you really like you said i think that's the best term i've heard for it is you just had this leveling right so mm -hmm. you had this it was a massive clear out it was a purging mm -hmm. so that the strongest survived right mm -hmm. what came out of that was this slow build and this slow rebound of the industry and so where we are now you know, a decade later is to your point, you have kind of like this, again, all of these people in the business of design, the difference this time is that it wasn't a financial situation. It was actually something that is going to increase the demand, especially for someone like you. I think, I think the changes that are going on in, um, on the residential side of design are huge because people realize through this process that their homes don't function the way that, they, and I can't remember a time in my lifetime Never. where, where Never. people actually had to evaluate the functionality of their home in a wholesale way like they are now, right? But on a, on a hospitality side, you got this huge, it just basically stopped everything. But what it also did for the smart operators on the hospitality side of things is they realized something, they said, wait a minute, if we can't do business right now anyway, and normally if we were gonna do a remodel or a refresh or additions, we would have to shut down. Why don't we just use this time that we're taking to shut down? We know it's gonna come back. Is that what you saw? Yeah, yeah. I I think that, that a lot of people are taking that opportunity, right, for for refreshing. Um, our, our, on our side, we're more in the new construction. So I, I, it's funny you should mention that because I ended up picking up um, a few renovation projects, whereas in the past, I would say no to them. But I do see the renovation market um, as being much more healthy than the new construction. But like I said, new construction actually was, was coming back to me in a big way. It is coming back. So your relationship really, it's with the developers. So I'm yeah. curious how how the business relationship works differently than if you were working primarily on residential so in this case you know your developers are are handing are they more of a question are they handing off all of the buying um and you're specifying and then are they handing off all the buying to the builder no we buy all the ff &E. you do yes okay mm -hmm. so for yeah it's good no 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 please Oh, I was just going to say, you know, kind of pinning off of that conversation yesterday about landscape and some of the scope that we're being asked to supply where we hadn't been supplying in the past, right? Barbecues, cabanas, uh, those are two kind of big ticket items that we're starting to purchase now, which um, we, I feel like we started doing a little bit more last year, but now I feel like it's really starting to the needs picking up for sure. 
It's interesting, and that is one of those one of those things. And you're referencing a panel that that we have coming up, yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about the the this need this this wholesale change in the way people think, where you know the outside isn't just a place where you go and you're you're almost like quasi camping. Right when you go into your backyard, you you know you still have to come inside for everything. There's this this new sort of way of thinking that why isn't your outdoor space fully activated so that it can it is self-contained and you don't have to keep trace, traipsing back inside the house. That the outdoors is it's it's almost a room for itself. It really is that 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 California style of living, mm-hmm. but now it's become ubiquitous. So it's not only homes, right, you know, uh, single residences, but um, I'm kind of crafting a new vision for our own office. So I'm even seeing this in the commercial, like office commercial world. Uh, a lot of my developer clients for their offices, they are implementing, um, you know, the nano wall opening or garage door opening and having an outdoor conference room. So I think that um, outdoor spaces are hitting every single market, you know, like every single one in such a huge way. That's really interesting. I hadn't, I actually hadn't thought about that before because one of the things I was going to ask you is how you're seeing hospitality change. And, and I think, you know, in looking at your work and we're going to talk about your work in a little bit, um, but in looking at your work, you know, if you were to take a smaller snapshot, or even in some cases, you know, a, a larger one, because it could be a super luxe balcony of someone's on a, on a New York penthouse, right? If you take a, a snapshot of your work, it's, it's completely different from what that traditional idea of what a hotel lobby or a restaurant looks like. The, the idea of hospitality now as sort of mirroring that, that home experience that makes you feel comfortable. Um, and it's representative as a through line in, in all of your work. And I'm curious, is that something that sort of took time? Do you see that the, the, the request for that, is that developing more now than before? Is that how hospitality is, is start, design is starting to change as it comes to you? I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, we, we're, we're always striving for comfort, you know, even more so now, um, aspirational comfort. <laughs> I mean, we're seeing it in fashion, right? We're seeing it in our food. Like we're seeing it, um, even in fitness and health, you know, like how can I work out, um, in a smaller space, you know, without taking up, you know, too much, uh, of a footprint. Um, how can, how can we fit more, um, amenity, right? Like how can we fit more amenity into our own kind of like personal spaces in a comfortable way? Um, and I think technology is going to be a big, a big, huge factor in all of that. And I'm really excited to see, um, what happens in the tech world, the, you know, the hospitality and, and home, um, technology advances this year. How does all that affect the, the, the manner in which you specify for your projects? Technology? Yeah. And, and, and in particular, 
how rapidly it, it changes. You know, if you were in if you were in Asia doing hospitality design, you would be working 5G, you know, and capabilities currently into everything that you do. It's there. Mm-hmm. It's not here yet. Mm-hmm. It's coming. But mm-hmm. we've been we've been talking about 5G for a very long time. And what that'll do is that'll just open the pipe so so significantly that you will be able to do more um, with with more technology. So you're not overloading the bandwidth. Uh, but I'm curious, how do you knowing that it's it's so flexible um, as far as what we have versus what we could have versus when it's going to be here versus your timeline for design? How do you how do you work that and manage those that type of technology into your plans? We're, you know, we, we're always having conversations, right? Like we're having conversations with our vendors, with our clients. Um, and they're, especially I think on, for the, the development side, there is a, a pause and hesitation a little bit of risk management. You know, it's like, okay, this new, you know, this new thing came out, but we haven't really tested it yet. So let's not put it into, you know, 300 of our suites, you know, <laughs> or apartments or whatever. Um, so I think that they're a little bit more on the conservative side than maybe the residential market would be. Um, and I, I do kind of see the residential market maybe leading the way in, in, in testing and um, proving that a lot of these technologies are um, you know, are, are helpful or are sustainable and, um, yeah, like like you're commenting earlier. I think residential is really going to lead the way in in a lot of future trends for a lot of markets. Yeah, curious on the on the business side. I I want to before I get into the projects, I actually wanted to ask you on the business side a couple of questions, um, specifically as it relates to the business itself. Um, you know, running the business of design. If you if you didn't if you didn't staff appropriately and you didn't manage appropriately, you could spend your entire design career as a business administrator Mm -hmm. and not doing any of the work. And I'm curious how you, how you manage um, both sides of it, how you offload some of the business responsibilities to staff um, and what you take on and what part you like to keep um, and sort of how you operate the firm. That is such a great question. That really is, um, because it's true. It's it's something that I think most you know owners and, and principals grapple with, which is sharing you know sharing the the hats, the business hat and and the creative hat. Um, for me personally, I am uh, I call <laughs> I call it bipolar because it is. It's like the right and the left brain, right? I am very well versed in both of those, um, you know, coming from, you know, my legal field. Um, I love contracts. <laughs> I love, um, uh, I love, you know, the, the CFO um, part of it and, and, and learning, um, you know, that, that, that part of the business. Um, but I also love the creative. Like I really am one of those people that just, I, I want, I want it all. Um, and, you know, I work with a life coach, actually, I've been working with her for years on this Mm. very topic, which is, you know, how much of the work life balance 
um, do I want? And, and that's the beautiful thing really of it is that it really is my choice and it can change from year to year. There was, um, you know, before the pandemic, I was making a really big push to develop my own um, creative office space. I had, was in the middle of buying um, a steel yard in Pasadena and there was a whole kind of like rollout with that. And so I really like pushed back on my team to take a lot of the creative responsibility and operate, you know, business operating responsibility. I have a right hand, um, you know, manager um, who, you know, she, she really can kind of step in as my doppelganger kind of when I need to. Um, but, you know, I was able to get out of that deal literally like the day that we left our office to quarantine, I, um, called my realtor and I was like, sorry, I I'm bailing on this deal. Like there's no way I'm doing a co-working space in the middle of a pandemic. That doesn't make sense. So I luckily got out of it. Um, but, uh, I, I do see myself as, as an entrepreneur and, um, I love being creative. Um, the sort of day, like my day-to-day life is since the pandemic, I have started daily zoom calls with my team and we'll go and review workflow. Um, and so we're able to like fill in gaps that way with the team at large. If somebody has some bandwidth that can share with maybe a different department. Um, and we can really support one another that way. Um, and I'm reviewing everything. Um, I will get, you know, FF&E, you know, presentation reviews. I'll get architectural presentation reviews, um, installation, um, construction admin, kind of everything. But they, they will send me uh, either the presentation or a question, and then they will give me recommendations, right? I'm like, don't, don't, don't contact me with a problem unless you have an answer for me on it. <laughs> so I'm really just like really high level editing, you know, and making sure that things are going out at a certain standard and aesthetic. Um, but my team is so good. Like I would not be able to do this without my incredible team. They, um, they just, they, they're, they're running, like they're running the ship, you know, like I'm just kind of like steering it slightly, but they're really running the, 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 the whole deal. Said like the master, uh, the master captain of, of an entrepreneurial ship, offloading all the praise, onboarding all of the responsibility. Love it. I love it. Um, no, and it, and, it, and it makes sense. But listen, you know, there are certain things, too, that, um, you know, especially in, in your industry, and I don't just mean design, but I, I mean the, the design of hospitality within the overall design umbrella, hospitality, office-based design, those two things right now are changing equal to, if not faster than residential design. Um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting challenge for those who work specifically in office space design. Um, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know where you would start. Yeah. It's right? a lot to pack. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with hospitality, you know, that too, it's changing so much because, you know, I have a feeling that, um, you know, once the vaccine kicks in, and things actually start to safely open up, 
it's going to be, you know, Katie bar the door for a, at least a year. It's going to be like the first day of summer for, for, for a year. People are just going to be so anxious to get out and to go places and to, to go someplace else for a while. And it's gonna, it's amazing to think about it. With that comes this, this idea that it also, uh, hospitality, when, they, when people do get out and get to travel again, or get to go eat at, at restaurants and get to go experience, that it does have to seem somewhat familiar, but it will be forever changed in the same way that, that the Spanish flu pandemic changed design forever the way that we know it now, right? Yes. So yeah. um, I'm curious where the impetus for changes in, in functional design are coming from. Are they, do you find them coming from your team out? Do you find them coming from the client's requests in? Uh, do you find that, that because that's the direction the business is going, that products are just catering to a new way of, of implementation. What do you see? It's all of the above. This is, this is, this is open for, for our studio. This is, this is an open uh, conversation and uh, a democratic conversation because things are changing so quickly. So if a vendor has, you know, information for us, if, a client has information for us, someone on the team has information. We're constantly just like opening up our channels um, to kind of receive. Um, and, you know, we, we have a very strong um, aesthetic and um, an opinion, I think, but right now we're, I think we're just more on the, the receiving and processing side Um because I don't think anybody really knows just yet, you know, uh, nobody really knows what's going to happen. So we're, we're just kind of like, we're, we're, we're gathering, we're gathering, we're gathering and responding to, you know, specific questions, you know, as we move along with, with different clients. But, um, but I, I, I think that there is, you know, we, we always like to, to think that there's going to be this like, big, you know, moment in time where, you know, there's going to be an expedited, you know, change of, of, of design and, um, and, and, and lifestyle. And it, it's happening right now, but it's going to still take some time. You know, I think next year really is going to be an interesting uh, time to kind of regroup on all of this. I almost kind of want to um, do a compare and contrast, you know, if we could like take our, you know, our, our responses and our thoughts now, and then like match them next year to ours and see how they, they change and, and differ because, um, I just think we have to be really open, you know, for, for whatever kind of comes down the pipeline and be flexible. Yeah, no, absolutely true. Um, wanted to get to some of the projects and some of your work. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to sort of go through the website. And it's funny because um, having done this podcast for now in our eighth year, prior to March 13th of 2020, the number of, of virtual conversations I had, you could count on one hand in seven years. And now... Um, yeah. Uh, and last year after March 13th, I think I only did two live interviews all year. Everything else was virtual. So 
you know, in the in the spirit of of making lemonade or lemoncello from lemons, um, I wanted to see if there was a way to to focus on work and do it virtually, so that when people are listening to the podcast, you can go to the website and and in this case, it's arielfoxdesign.com. Um, click on work. And you can follow along in some of the projects with us. Hopefully, as well, I can get some images from you, and we can post them on uh, on the Convo by Design Instagram. Uh, so I wanted to start with one of your projects, where is ex it's exactly where I would like to be today, uh, having a Peroni in San Diego at Little Italy. Oh. Um, <laughs> so new construction. Mm-hmm. Multifamily. Mm -hmm. When when was this project completed? Ooh, that's an old one. Is it? It is. Um okay, so I so this is a good benchmark actually. My I was pregnant with my son, so seven years ago. Okay. You know what's interesting too to me is that the the mark of um and I've heard it put a different way, uh Bunny Williams said that, you know, she wants to be able to have clients walk into a house or someone walk into a home and not know that she was the one who did the design, right? Um, sort of the other side of that coin to me is being able to look at imagery of a project or walking into a project or being walking into a, a, a space and not knowing exactly when it was designed unless, mm. unless that was the purpose of it, right? If it was designed... Mm -hmm. 300 years ago, or if you're walking into a space from 300 years ago, it's like, okay, I get it. This is old. Yeah. But, um, you know, Little Italy, it's funny because you just, you have, you have this, this homey feel about the place. Um, and I'm curious what the, what the, obviously Italy and San Diego might've been the original inspiration for this. Um, but I'm curious with all of the shapes, with all of the styles, with all of the color, uh, that you used, it, there's so much imagery uh, that you incorporated into this project. Uh, I, I'm just curious if you can sort of tell me what what the thought process was, if you remember, knowing that it was seven years ago. But what? Yeah, what yeah, no, that, and and there was a lot. I mean, that was all you know, a lot of outdoor space um, for that one as well. Um, and uh, the the concept was, um, you know, it was a the you know, the French Riviera, you know, um, very colorful, beachy. Um, we had, gosh, I know I'm like, I have to kind of refresh my memory. So one of the fun things that we did was we had, we put in like a wishing well. <laughs> the developer was like super fun. Um, and he had traveled, um, he had, he had done like a, a, a boat trip, um, through, uh, you know, Italy and South of France. And, um, and so we had a lot of like collaboration on that. And there's like a fountain, I think, I don't even know if I have an image of it, but there's like a mosaic fountain of a girl and there's like, you know, greenery of her hair coming down. Um, and we had uh, a wishing well in there. Um, we had a, uh, a beautiful like child uh, table that was cantilevered off of this uh, 
this fire feature wall that we had like real wood um, logs kind of stuffed into. And by the way, I, I love that. I love that table. And uh -huh. I, I, I don't know if you remember wh whose tile that is, but I love the tile with the waterfall edge. And then you continued it out through the, through the courtyard, which is just such a great touch. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, there was, there was some really great built-ins, crazy custom fire element that we did. Um, yeah, we, we were able to get some really, really interesting ideas um, to fruition there. It, yeah. And that's a multifamily. It is, yeah. Project. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I absolutely love it. The other one I was looking for uh, is Park Broadway in Long Beach. Park Broadway. Oh, Park Broadway is in downtown LA. Oh, it's in downtown LA. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. Is it being Long Beach on there? Uh, yeah, but that's okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I better go and update my website real quick. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no. Sorry and I about have a that. bunch of new projects too that are not on there. But. Do you know, one of the things, um, and I picked this one out in particular because one of the things that I love. Oh no, I'm sorry. Park Broadway. It is in Long Beach. Okay. I'm thinking of something else. I'm so sorry. The, yeah. the, one of the through lines that I see in much of your work, specifically and particularly in the outdoor spaces, whimsical, it's fun. You could, you can tell that you're crafting spaces where you want people to get involved. You want people to do stuff. And, you know, if there's a place, if you want to chill, there's a place, if you want to do stuff, you know, there's a, there's a lot of gaming going on here. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of gaming. There's a lot of, um, in your work, there's a lot of fire features. There's water features. Um, there's, everything seems to be, um, there's a place for everything and everything has its place is kind of how it feels to me. I actually, I really should be uploading, sorry to, to change projects really quick, but um, one outdoor space that's pretty phenomenal uh, it's a project, a multifamily we did in Culver City called Haven. Mm -hmm. And on the rooftop, we retrofitted an Airstream to be a, a lounge, like a TV lounge. So we took an Airstream, cut out, you know, the side of it and installed this like really cool TV lounge and, and little bar in there on the rooftop. It was really rad. It was really okay. rad. So questions for you, because now I'm completely fascinated by this. All right. So <laughs> first is, and this is probably a very simple question. I think I already know the answer to it, but why an Airstream and not necessarily like a shipping container? Uh, the Airstream just has such a beautiful feminine, you know, curve to it. Um, and the chrome finish, um, it just um, it just had like a kind of like a sexier kind of jewel box um, aesthetic. That's what I thought. Uh, I get, yeah, I get the, that. The shipping container is, I think, a little bit more kind of straightforward and functional. Yeah. Um, which is also very very cool. Um, but I, I think also kind of on a rooftop where you're kind of seeing it from kind of all angles the curvature of that, the shape of the Airstream is just so inviting. What was the order of operations here? Did you, I, did you crane it up first yes. and then work on it? 
No. So we uh, worked with a fabricator in Long Beach, actually, and um, met with them a number of times. You know, we did drawings that we'd go in and, um, you know, it was it was so custom, right, that even kind of drawings didn't necessarily do enough. So we met with them a number of times. And then um, once it was finished, they craned it up once it was finished. Did you have, knowing how particular California is and how stringent California is, did you have any any rules or regs that you had to, that that made this more challenging than it should have been? ADA. Yeah. Yeah. So we had to build up a platform so that we could have a flat um, egress into the Airstream where normally you'd kind of like step up into it. That was, um, that was fun. We did it. <laughs> was it was there plumbing still in it, or was it really just a? Is it almost like a like a band shell, like a like a sitting area? No plumbing, but we had electrical. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. had light lights in there and a TV and um, plugins. Yeah, I love that idea. Um, and you know, you're starting to see some in your case as well be so creative with these old airstreams. And you know you're absolutely right. It is it is just a a chrome jewel box. It really is. And and did you did did you did you leave it original or did you did you polish it out? Did you buff it out? We buffed it out. Yeah. That's a great look. That's a great look, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, uh, along the way too, and that brings up kind of a, another in, interesting point and maybe the where where we leave this cuz um for for sake of time the difference between specifying product out there and fabricating custom fabricating your own or having it having it modified to to suit your own needs um here in Los Angeles clearly you have you have uh, the ability to reach out to so many different types of craftsmen. You have everything that you need somewhere else in the country, you know, many places in the country where you don't have these types of resources. Do you think that you fully take advantage of that? Do you, do you modify craft fabricate more often than you think you ordinarily would have? I don't know about if I normally or ordinarily would have, um, because I don't really know anything different than, being in LA and designing in LA. Yeah. Um, but certainly have, you know, that was one of the big, um, the big platforms of, of starting my business, which was, you know, I really wanted to be able to um, not necessarily go so far as, as design build, but we essentially have, have, have that, you know, I don't have my own build team, but I have, fabricators and installers that I've worked with for over 10 years that are basically like extensions of my team. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that really gives you the, the freedom and the, the access than if you were really relying on a, on a GC. And so over the years, it seems like we've kind of pulled more and more and more of the design build um, under our umbrella because we we can execute it. We can at least guarantee it will be executed if we are you know, managing the budget and um, the installation and fabrication of it. 
Um, that being said, you know, there, there are some things that I will go to bat for because it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of management. We, we have a lot of projects. We have like almost 30 projects going at any time, Ma massive projects <laughs> going at any time. So um, I have been much more careful about, you know, what we, what we would be taking on, right? And something like a cabana and a barbecue, which in the past, you know, we would say, yeah, like we'll, we'll take it on and we'll custom fabricate this thing. Now there's beautiful products on the market that make our job so much easier because now we can, we can, we can be rest assured that the level of detail will be there that we would have normally put in, but now we don't have to put the hours into it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that also, I think that that probably also helps you. You know, I was, I was looking at the Kirby project in, in Houston because the majority of your work is primarily in Los Angeles. It gives you the opportunity, should you so desire to take on projects outside of the, the Los Angeles slash Southern California area. Yep. And that's exactly what we're doing with our Seattle project, actually. Mm. We got a barbecue um, uh, on that project. Yeah. Instead of having the GC build it out. I love that. Well, listen, when that project is done, I would, I would love to uh, circle back with you and, and uh, explore it a bit further. I can't wait to get photography um, on it because it's on the sky deck um, in Seattle and it's the most stunning view. Like the first time I saw it, like, tears kind of like started filling up my eyes. I was like, this is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it'll make for hopefully some good photography too. Oh, that's so great. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. Ariel, this was so great. Thank you for the time. Thank you. Again, my deep apologies for being late. I hate, I hate doing that. But Hey, hey listen, it's a podcast. It's recorded. So nobody knows un until now. <laughs> Thank you, Ariel. Thank you for your time, talent, and willingness to indulge me in this deep dive. I loved it. Thank you, Walker Zanger and Thermosol, for your partnership. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the podcast. Keep those emails coming. Convobydesign at Outlook.com. I am looking forward to seeing you again in person at a design event near you very soon. Until then, be well and take today first. Today first.